0: This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross.
1: And I'm Aaron Granillo. Some schools here in Washington are trying to bring students back into classrooms. We'll explain how parents are responding to those decisions in a minute. We'll also take a listen back to that. What do you want to call it? Uh, a debate? Or was it a, uh, a uh, heavy food weight? fight? Yeah, I, I heard your commentary this morning. I like the food fight analogy. I'm good with that. But first, Boeing's 787 Dreamliner is preparing to depart Everett for good. The company made it official today. The company is moving that plane's production from Everett to South Carolina, completing the move sometime in mid 2021. And aviation analyst Scott Hamilton says this decision was indeed driven by the pandemic-induced recession.
2: Because the airlines aren't taking any deliveries of the 787. There are no new orders for the 787.
1: And about 1,000 jobs could be impacted by this, along with uh, hundreds of others down the supply chain. And Hamilton says this is going to be a huge hit to the local economy.
2: Well, Snohomish County, obviously, is going to be the hardest hit when it comes to the restaurants and and, uh, coffee shops and, and that sort of thing uh but that said you have to put it in context with everything else that's going on right now Boeing has already uh indicated that it was going to cut 20,000 jobs uh, through voluntary uh, retirements and uh, buyouts as well as some involuntary layoffs so uh, another thousand jobs at Boeing in that context you know isn't isn't a lot that doesn't mitigate the pain that each direct family is going to feel from this. But uh, there's a lot more going on than just the 787 right now.
1: Dave, this is not really a a huge surprise. We heard yesterday the Wall Street Journal reported this, uh, and it makes financial sense for Boeing to probably consolidate production of the Dreamliner.
0: Yes, they've clearly been warming us up for this for weeks through uh, a number of leaks. And it all has its roots in the labor problems that Boeing had uh, years ago when they first decided to open up the plant in South Carolina. I think a lot of Boeing observers were expecting this to happen. It was just that the coronavirus finally pushed the company over the edge.
1: Yeah, the Seattle Times obtained a letter from the Boeing CEO, Dave Calhoun. He said, today's decision does not change our commitments to Washington states. We also heard Inslee's reaction yesterday. After this news broke from the Wall Street Journal, he said that he'd probably have to review what he called Boeing's favorable tax breaks in our states. You see that happening, Dave? Uh,
0: No, I don't see uh, Governor Inslee doing anything that would make Boeing even more inclined to move work elsewhere. But there's a lot of resentment over the tax breaks that were given to Boeing for keeping the production here. Although Boeing, of course, in the case of those special tax breaks, asked that they be withdrawn so that they wouldn't be penalized for uh, allegedly allowing a subsidy to lower the price of their products.
1: And on top of this news, also in the aviation world today, I know some 45,000 airline workers are bracing for furloughs and layoffs today. Uh, Seattle-based Alaska Airlines is probably going to furlough about uh, 530 employees. And this is all because of the sort of back and forth in Congress right now and the both sides not being able to come to terms on a federal relief package that would bring some relief to the airline industry.
0: Right. The federal government is uh, suddenly deciding that there's been too much money spent, I guess, on trying to keep people employed. The Democrats and Republicans cannot come to an agreement. The Democrats are holding out for more money for the states. They have since reduced their demands, but there is no indication they're going to come to an agreement before the deadline.
1: Let's try to cut through some of the noise of that first presidential face-off and discuss how the candidates handled the pandemic section of the debate.
0: When the subject came up, the subject of the pandemic... The president defended his administration's response to the virus and said that he did a much better job than Joe Biden could ever have done.
2: But I'll tell you, Joe, you could never have done the job that we did. You don't have it in your blood. You could have never done that job.
0: The president said his own experts, who said a vaccine won't be widely available until next summer, are wrong.
2: I've spoken to the companies and we can have it a lot sooner. It's a very political thing because people like this would rather make it political than save lives.
0: Joe Biden's position on the vaccine. In terms of the, the
2: whole notion of a vaccine, we're for a vaccine, but we I don't trust him at all, nor do you. I know you don't. What we trust is a scientist. All right,
1: let's do some fact checking here when it comes to the vaccine timeline. It is true that a vaccine could be approved by the end of this year. Before the election, we can't really say for sure. I know the president sure hopes that a vaccine will be ready before November 3rd. But it is going to take a lot longer to make it widely available to everybody.
0: Several potential COVID-19 vaccines are now in the final phase of study. And the CDC has been telling governors and health officials to prepare to distribute a possible vaccine by November 1st, which is not that long off.
1: This process is happening incredibly fast. The president has even dubbed this, you know, Operation Warp Speed. It typically takes years, sometimes even a decade to approve a vaccine And this rush process is obviously leading to a lot of public mistrust. There was this Pew Research Center survey last month. It's polled about uh, 10,000 U.S. adults a few weeks ago. About half said they would definitely or probably get a COVID-19 vaccine if it were available today. That same poll in late April and early May showed more than 70% would get the vaccine when it was ready.
0: That's too bad because... You have the trust in the vaccine dropping since May. Why would that be? By all the the articles I've read about it, the, the Operation Warp Speed, the president's uh, rush to create a vaccine, has been a success. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had people saying it was going to take two years. Now it looks like it's going to be closer to one. That's a big success. The problem is, and this is my opinion, but I think the problem is that by openly questioning the CDC on so many things, The president has ended up sowing mistrust among people about whether this vaccine has been adequately tested. Now, again, by all indications, I don't see them cutting any quarters. They're just doing it a lot faster than uh, has been done before. They haven't eliminated any of the phases. So it looks like the vaccine is going to be reliable. But this open disagreement between the scientists and the president has now raised doubts, which I I think it's self-defeating for him. Because the vaccine is the thing that gets us back to normal. that gets the economy back to normal, but only... If enough people trust it to use it, you have to have something like, uh, what, 80 percent adoption for it to mm-hmm. be uh, effective in stopping the spread. But by openly disputing with the CDC, you now seem to have a significant number of people saying, no, we're going to hold back.
1: Hypothetically speaking, Dave, let's say you are tapped to be one of the first volunteers, if you will, to get that approved vaccine. Do you feel safe at this point getting it?
0: Well, uh, I may be a different case because I have I have participated in mm-hmm. one of those double-blind trials uh, with an experimental medication which uh, <laughs> required an injection directly into the eye. <laughs> so I guess I'm one of those. I, I probably would. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had no idea what to expect from that. Fortunately, uh, the, the drug didn't work, by the way, but fortunately it had no negative side effects. So I guess I probably would. I, I think that... Um, though for most people who are healthy eh, i don't think you'd get as many takers as you might otherwise get
1: i think i might but i'm not going to lie to you i mean just because of all of the back and forth and the the politicization of the whole vaccine development process i'd have doubts i mean i'm not I, and i don't blame anybody who says i'm going to wait for somebody else to get it first and see how they <laughs> right. did for a few you months you first yeah exactly okay back to the debates president trump reminded us that it was biden who criticized the decision to restrict travel from China early on.
2: If you look at what we've done, I closed it, and you said he's xenophobic. He's a racist, and he's xenophobic, because you it's didn't think I should have closed our country. Wait, Wait a minute. It says two minutes. You didn't think we should have closed our country, because you thought it was too, it was terrible.
1: Okay, so there is some truth to that. Um but it's a little misleading, too. So here are the facts. Uh, Biden did not come out against the travel restrictions on China. He actually didn't say much about it at all at the time. But in April, his campaign said he supported travel restrictions if guided by medical experts. Biden did say the word xenophobia, though, but he was making that comment during an Iowa campaign event when the restrictions were announced. Uh, And he also said that the president was
0: fear-mongering against foreigners. Yeah, I think uh, Biden primarily was reacting to nicknames like China virus and Kung flu, saying that that was just making things worse for uh, Chinese Americans uh, here in this country. But I can uh, I can see the way the, uh, the president could look at that comment and say, uh, Joe, you wouldn't have done the same kind of travel ban that I did.
1: Biden also brought up that now
2: famous scene in Bob Woodward's book. He knew all the way back in February how serious this crisis was. He knew it was a deadly disease. What did he do? He's on tape, Is acknowledging he knew it. He said he didn't tell us or give people a warning of it because he didn't want to panic the American people.
0: You don't panic. He panicked. That's in the book. I mean, Bob Woodward says the president himself admitted that when he was uh, trying to create confidence in people. It wasn't based on any scientific fact. He'd been told that this was an extraordinarily contagious and deadly virus. And so he knew that, but said he felt it was his job not to sow panic. If he had come out and said what his briefers had told him, he thought that that might create more problems than it would solve.
1: One last clip to play here. Biden reminded everyone about the president's Easter prediction.
2: This is the same man, man who told all set you, up. by Easter, this would be gone away. By the warm weather, it'd be gone, miraculous, like a miracle. And by the way, maybe you could inject some bleach in your arm, and that would take care of it.
1: President responded, he said that bleach thing was an obvious joke.
2: Dave,
0: did the voters learn anything from this exchange? No, I think they did. (laughs) I think they saw how how these two guys uh, react in a high-pressure situation and saw what their personalities uh, are like. I I like the idea that they were able to uh, go after each other uh, back and forth, we saw how they handled themselves, and uh, no, you didn't hear much new about policy. But frankly, these days, if you want to get a policy briefing, you just turn on your computer, and you know your screen will flood with all sorts of specifics on on this and that. But um, I, I think the bigger choice is going to be the approach to leadership represented by each of these two candidates.
1: Who won the COVID debate?
0: Who won the COVID debate? Yeah, debate
1: the COVID part of the debate.
0: Uh, In terms of creating trust in um, in a vaccine, uh, I don't think Trump's the winner there. I mean, it's it's clear that he has been he's promoted dodgy types of treatments. His agenda clearly is to try and get the economy open at uh, at almost any cost. He has consistently downplayed the uh, the danger of the disease. He lately has said, "Well, it's no big deal for for children." And yeah, there are fewer children who end up hospitalized, but the consequences of COVID are not simply limited to, to death. Uh, you can survive it and still have long-term health consequences. It's a really bad thing to get. And it's a shame it has hurt the economy, but really hurts the economy. would be a lot of dead people who can't buy stuff. So I I don't think the president won the COVID debate.
1: So we know that the Commission on Presidential Debates is now talking about changes to future debates because of this just back and forth and, and insults and not a, not a whole lot of policy being discussed. It was just drowned out by all of, all of that nonsense. Um, but these are serious topics. 200,000-plus people are dead in this country, and we need to hear what the plan is going forward. What do you make of future debates, and will we learn anything new if the rules change?
0: Well, I mean, I think people want to know that they can trust their president. That when he says something, it's uh, based on facts that they can act on. We know now, in hindsight, that uh, there should have been a uh, a mask campaign from the very beginning. That it just should have been a requirement. I mean, I, I would say, okay, we'll, we'll give you we'll give you a week to mask up. But if we don't see it happening, then we're gonna start ticketing you. Um, I think we know now that would have been vastly preferable to what we see now, which is the Cancellation of, well, putting first of all, putting every restaurant out of business, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cancelling uh, uh, recreation, theater, football, school. I mean, that's been, it's horrible. You're going to have kids who've, who basically lose a year, or at least they, they're not going to get the same education they would have gotten. Whereas it's pretty clear that if we'd had a supply of the real masks, the cloth masks, I guess, are a good stopgap. But uh, there's nothing high tech about an N95 mask. They just flat out had outsourced it all to China so we couldn't get them. Everybody should have one of them and should wear it all the time. That way, if somebody isn't wearing theirs, at least you are protected. Um, I hope going forward we learn that lesson so this never happens again. But that takes leadership. It takes somebody who understands that even though we only see a few people dead now, we know how these diseases go. And uh, there were predictions out there that it would get bad. And and the criticism is right. The president was being a cheerleader instead of looking at what the projections uh, were saying. There was no sense of of urgency. So um, I hope we learn from this. And uh, in terms of what this means for the debate, I think that point has to be made. This is not the last time we're going to see something like this. And you want something in that office who, when they see the first sign of it, uh, prevents it so that we're done in one month, maybe two months, but not. 10, which is where we're at now. Let's
1: talk about school getting back in session now. Puyallup's Meeker Elementary School became the latest to start welcoming back students on Tuesday with new COVID-19 precautions in place. The priority, students in the special education program, they can attend class in person four days a week. School officials spoke with Cairo 7 TV. There will be directional signage in the hallways, directing traffic.
2: Classrooms have been limited to a certain amount of desks.
1: And Washington Superintendent of Public Instruction Chris Rakdal says dozens of other districts are reopening right now, too, with similar safety measures in place. The priority is to get the youngest students and special education programs like Meeker Elementary's back in the classrooms first But some teachers and parents are hesitant.
2: Nobody wants to make a blind decision. And the rush, the
1: speed is the biggest concern right now. That's a parent in Issaquah's school district. Uh, His district is planning to let kindergarten and first grade students return to classrooms starting
0: on October 15th. But other parents are happy to give their kindergartners the experience of heading off to a new school with the big kids.
2: It's really great to see our littlest ones in for the first time since March.
0: A parent in Gig Harbor's Peninsula School District spoke with Car7TV as 800 kindergartners and first graders headed back to classrooms Monday.
2: While everyone would agree this is not ideal for anyone, um, it's... Kids only know what they know. And for these kindergartners, this is the best first day of kindergarten they've ever had.
0: Chris Rakdahl, superintendent of public instruction, was on the Gian Ursula show at Cairo and said the primary focus for his office since June has been reopening schools for in-person learning.
2: The CDC guidance and the health is don't rush them all back in or you end up like Georgia where hundreds or thousands of kids and educators get the virus and then they shut down again. So The best thing we can do and learn from COVID is that we built a system in our buildings of comprehensive supports, not just great content and subjects, but nutritional services, mental health supports, access to nurses. Uh, These things have to be in place. They they have been getting uh, more investment and more support. So the best thing we can do to respond to COVID and address equity is get our buildings open. That has to be done in partnership with uh, health regulators, of course, and the public health experts right
1: now. Dave, this to me, this whole discussion about whether or not to reopen schools has been the most difficult one, I think, to answer because there there really is not a good one. I mean, you have kids who are missing out on so much, not just not just in-person learning, but also, of course, the, the social element of being around kids their own age. You have parents that are just struggling to get work done and you know, playing teacher at home, too. I don't know what the right answer is on this one.
0: It's been a huge disruption, and uh, regular testing and masking is the only only solution for it. The sports teams are doing it with daily tests in some cases. Schools, I guess, uh, are not going to be geared up for that. That'd be pretty difficult to uh, to pull off. But um, if we can't do it this time, then I hope that we take advantage of the experience to make sure that there isn't a next time.
1: I got to say, I do like the idea that some districts are. Are giving for parents saying if yes we will let younger kids back but if you don't feel comfortable yet sending your you know your six seven year old back to school yet you can still do remote learning so there's this hybrid option which I think is obviously a good a good compromise in the midst of all of this so what are you gonna do <laughs> I got a kid who's two and a half almost three mm-hmm. but she goes to daycare um, yeah. Thankfully for us, it's a small daycare. It's an in-home daycare. So uh, so I feel pretty good about it. Whenever the parents come to pick up and drop off the kids, they're required to wear masks. They do deep cleaning, you know, often at the daycare. Um, but, I mean, if I had a kindergartner or a first grader, I, I guess I'd lean toward probably not, probably not sending them back mm. yet. Because, I, I mean... I still have people in my life who are immunocompromised that I like to see, <laughs> I, right. and I, I just wouldn't want to take that risk knowing that I'm putting my kid around others and not knowing yeah. where, where they're at.
0: And yet, if the surgical masks were available for everyone, mm-hmm. those compromised relatives could wear those when True. the kids visit and you yeah. stay, you know, 10 feet away. You yeah. can't do any hugs, but you can visit and still be safe. And that, That's what I think we'll eventually have to get to. We'll be back with you next Thursday to discuss the latest coronavirus news. You can subscribe to this podcast and you can also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.